0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have a smart discussion with experts, thought leaders, and friends on customer experience transformation, innovation and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, a big pleasure to have Bjorn with me for a smart discussion about customer experience innovation transformation. Hi, Bjorn.
1: How are you? Hi, Gregorio. Very well. I hope you are doing well, too. Here.
0: I am very happy to have you on this show for this smart discussion. And therefore, let's really start. Uh, Bjorn, could you please introduce yourself for the audience?
1: Oh, sure. And uh, with a big pleasure, Gregorio and also everyone listening. I'm Bjorn. First and foremost, I'm a husband and a father to two great girls that are my treasure here, and I'm one of the co-founders of a company called Anthrolytics. We are specializing in digital empathy and we'll bring that to the next level. And personally, myself, I'm a customer experience enthusiast and also a leadership advisor, help you shape these strategies in there. Got more than 20 years experience in that area, was able to lead projects in one or two countries, total 35 countries so far and counting. And what's also not unimportant, I'm a customer myself of some great companies and not so great companies there.
0: I think this is the usual issue or topic that we all have. We are in the business, but we are also customers. And we are also family founders, or we are partners. And we are playing quite a lot of different roles. And I think empathy plays always an important role. Could you please elaborate a bit? What really do you mean speaking about digital empathy?
1: Yeah, em- empathy is a very important uh, element and actually it's an interesting translation. It's, 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 a, it's a translation of a German word and it can be used actually in three different three different formats. What basically people understand by empathy these days is what we call in German, Einfühlungsvermogen, feel into somebody. Digital empathy as such is really trying to understand a customer's feelings. And not only trying to understand, but also understand what he's about to do next, he or she are, are about to do next with that feeling. Um, you know a lot about demographic segmentation, or if, you, if you're an advanced company, psychographic segmentation. So we we do needs-based segmentation, and then we fall into a category. But we all are humans. We are not the same every day. Sometimes we're feeling happy, we're feeling enthused, and we're all up for it to do this with that company. Other times we feel, oh, just received this, this strange email or had this strange interaction somewhere. Yeah, not, not in that, that strong mood. So I'm, I'm more hesitant. Maybe I even think about switching. And digital empathy and what antibiotics does is really Sensing, not only sensing those emotions, but actually also predicting those emotions and also giving you advice on how to react to those, becoming more human in business. And I think th- this is really
0: a-, a key topic. If I try to use an example, the epic goalkeeper would buy something, but the uh, un-epic goalkeeper, even if it's exactly the same person, have exactly the same demographics, or I hope so, at least, <laughs> I- I will- <laughs> I would not buy something, and uh, I think you mentioned something that, that I think it's it's really le- relevant and to kickstart also the discussion. You spoke about segmentation. I think the most of the companies are doing segmentation three, three, two, three, four segments. Perhaps could you a bit explain where you come from? Segments to this digital empathy.
1: Well, the segments deep deep in my heart, I'm a marketeer. And, and let's be honest, there have been 235 different uh, visions of it. But I've, I've, I've been educated at Kellogg in the in, in U.S. So it's, it's, it's culture, culture. It's four Ps. And the four Ps are still out there. And the four Ps are really the consequence of my strategic work that I do. It's segmentation, targeting, and positioning. So any marketing strategy, any business starts with segmentation. And we see now more and more companies going towards segments of one. So ideally, if, if I look at the big, you and me, we live in Switzerland. So if I look at the big retailers, they try to really segment me into my very one Bjorn segment or into the six goalkeeper segment, trying to understand me better through my buying behavior. So had hence the segmentation is very important because it allows them to hyper-target or hyper-personalize it. And what we're adding to that is not only we're, we're looking at your buying behavior, but we're also looking at your emotional state of that, really understanding how we how can we predict predict with, a cert, with with some certainty whether you're happy CX goalkeeper or whether you're not so happy CX goalkeeper. and what to do in each case at that moment, even though you've bought the very same things before.
0: Yeah. I think you did quite an interesting example, and that's what also we are facing now. Due to COVID, we started buying at retailers online, and these retailers are offering us always exactly the same products which we already bought. And at the end, I can understand it because they think, okay, they will buy them again. But I would like also to get different offers, as you said, perhaps based it's difficult for them based on my emotions, but at least based on the different seasons that we have. And not always this, the same tomatoes or the same salad, but, but but something different. And now you are saying that emotions is one additional step in order to understand or to steer the buying behavior of, of people. Is, is this correct?
1: That's, uh, that, that's correct. And in, in that sense, also more the, the relationship that you're keeping with, with someone um as probably many many of your viewers my background is also in customer insights. so you do a lot of surveys what to find out where where customers are whether they are about to recommend you to a friend or or colleague on a scale from zero to ten yes or no What's, what's what's more important there than achieving a certain number and i understand nts numbers are great but what you actually really try to find out is who sits where? Is somebody sitting on the fence? Is somebody clearly one of your promoters? Can you engage that person more? Or is somebody a detractor and actually jumps and talks badly about you? But what you actually really, what you also want to do there is try to understand what makes them do that. And you I mean we know we've done probably, I don't know how many service you've run at, at your career in, in CX, but service always have a biased aftertaste. you need to have this lens in front of you to understand all right that's this lens that you need to bring in what if you now actually could do the same thing without a biased questionnaire but actually with by observing a certain behavior
0: What you're saying, it's, it's, it's I think it's something that people or we should think about because as long as we are creating always the same service and perhaps we already know what we want to achieve and this is a good and past number and it's all about getting this number better and better and better, then perhaps you can try to find out ways which question to ask or even, let's say, better or worse, depending from which side you are looking at, you can ask at a specific point in time and the customer doesn't know, for example, is issues was really fixed and you ask him, is it fixed? The customer look at them and say, yes, it should be fixed, it's fine. Yes, uh, first context resolution, yes. And uh, and this is, uh, I think it's something that we need to to think about. And, and going back to, to this empathy topic, perhaps, It's already difficult to understand this empathy and to empathize with people through this digital channel like we are discussing now. How can you create something that it's really working in a B2C world?
1: It's it's based on data. That's that's one thing. But it's it's based on data that enables people, humans, to act more human, also in interactions. Behind every interaction, there are humans. There's there's tons of AI around, but AI is nothing else than also had some human input at one stage. And uh, to also become aware of that, to humanize that piece, this this, this perfect interaction of analytics from available data and recommendation, but then still having a human interface interacting. That's the the key there also on large scale B2C um, operations. I understand, but perhaps to to deep
0: dive and to really understanding that you're saying yes, we can do that because there there is enough data available. How much data do you really need to understand if now Bjorn is happy or unhappy? Because. Let's say from the speaking and what we are discussing, I feel that you are interested in the discussion, but I am not really feeling if you are happy or unhappy, if I would now try to sell you the, the subscription to my podcast, if you would say, yes, I will do that or no. Perhaps, can you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, what, what then? I would recommend you in order to find out more. And this, this is where we're going it's really to understand what are the decisive events you have interacted with me? How, how did I react to those? And what have you done? You, you yourself, Great Warrior, in, in my interactions, you had so much data about myself that and then we see that at most companies, they are not interconnected the know-how that you have and the knowledge that you have in house is not actually connected in order to understand how a customer interaction or a customer experience really was influenced we have almost well, most cases we have lots of call center data which is then really almost walled from other data that you have and that that are that are interesting things and if you talk in an, an omni channel environment these days, it's, it's on one hand, people have more interactions with you. They, they, they're in touch more and more with your brand, but they're not always at the same spot interacting with you or with the same person. Now you're on the
0: mute sorry this is uh, this is uh, the issue of uh, of these uh, these tools No, uh, what I what you're saying I, I think it's it's really key and I understand that very well and perhaps to challenge a bit the discussion or to bring also another point of view on on the topic to you your explaining, because for me it's it's really key what you're saying it's at the end it's not b2b or b2 C but it's human to human and this is always about interactions and there my question is and let's think now uh, one step more outside in an holistic, in an holistic way. Um, an interaction with a brand is all, sometimes it's only one piece of a bigger customer experience or a big jo- a bigger journey. I yeah. want to buy something, therefore I need to select the product, but I need to pay. I need the checkout, and at the end, also let's say the post need uh, needs to deliver uh, what what I bought. And I think w- if it would be possible even to have a bit broader view on this topic, then you would even better able to steer these decisions.
1: Uh, that that's perfectly true, and. Um... You mentioned interesting field where, um, as you say, you say B to B and B to C are H to H. I usually say B to B and B to C are P to P, people to people. But human to human, I like I like it as well because it's it's more, it's, it's also very humanistic. And uh, what you also mentioned, and it, it's also a question: Who owns the brand, and to what extent can you actually manage a brand? If I order a pair of very nice sneakers that got three stripes on it, I usually go to Salando. And at Salando, it's an aggregator. They just they, they they stock my stuff. Then I start to order it from Salando here in Switzerland. And some warehouse in Amsterdam is shipping me the stuff. But is it actually okay? The warehouse might not even belong to Salando, it might be operated by a third party. So how do you ensure that I still got the same experience? And um, more so if I buy those, those very nice sneakers with those nice three stripes on it. I get them delivered by my local postman, or by some UPS guy, or by somebody who's delivering a DPD or Federal Express package. Somebody who's become really almost dehumanized at this stage. So where's the brand relationship? Who do I have a relationship with? And how can I increase that? So in that sense, Salonda would be very interested in keep that running. And keep that very strongly under control in that sense. They are selling you and me their stuff. So I technically buy from Am from, from Salando, even though I could switch to Amazon if even if I could switch to anybody else. But they want to keep me on their platform. And what they also have, they have tons of data about what I've done with them. I don't need any other data really to understand how much I'm going. To buy, not not what, but how I feel in buying.
0: I think, as you're saying, there are quite a quite a lot of data, and more than enough data, and uh, and the next big frontier next to to digital empathy, it's it's also how these um, different companies can collaborate. As you you already mentioned this topic, uh, platform. And basically, I think this is this will be the key to have an end-to-end experience that is working well. And as you're saying, also linked and based on the different emotions and steer also this, this experience based on them. And um, you spoke about collaboration between companies and perhaps let, let's go back to people to people or human to human. I, re- I read a really interesting article you wrote. It's about the art of collaboration and it's about... How to collaborate also with people we don't like, and I think we are back in the feelings and the emotions, the emotion side. I think we know what are the main topics that are driving you. Uh, could you please elaborate a bit on on this article?
1: Yeah, I think I I, I come back. I, I I can go into that. And I I like I like the topic of emotions because I grew up in a company that was full of engineers. Uh, if you have engineers combined with with finance people, you basically then come back and say. No, no, emotions only come in, 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 in the way if you want to take a decision. But well, careful, if you don't have any emotions, you cannot, you will not be able to take decisions. So that's emotions are really key to taking decisions. Positive emotions help you to go in. Um, the article you're referring to is, 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 is a concept I'm using in my leadership practice as, as, as well. What I want to make a very important point, what we do with digital empathy is not empathy training as you usually would do with, with, uh, with customer experience people to say, all right, you have to listen more. You have to acknowledge what people are saying. All that we are actually really in the business of analyzing data and in the business of digital empathy. What you will get from us is is, is really... The emotional state of your, of your, of your clients. So having said that, I'll come back to the, to the art of, um, the art of, I call, I call it the art of collaboration. It's uh, something I've, I had the luxury of, of really working in projects on 35, 40 different countries. And, uh, for instance, it took me about 10 years to learn how to collaborate with people from Spain. And, uh, I was nothing against them, it was just, I was a little bit hesitant, but it's, it's, it's really because I didn't realize one thing and that's the first A. You have to accept and acknowledge. People are not, people are unique. People are not the same. Every person is different. Gregorio is different. And happy Gregorio is different from sad Gregorio as well here. But already just knowing and being aware that people are different, that's a very important thing. Coming back to what we said about segmentation before, we try to make buckets as big as possible, because that makes it simpler. It's one size fits all for everybody. But people are not like that. There's not not an average person. There is Gregorio, there's Bjorn, there's other people out there, and we're different. But realizing that, and we think different, our brains are magical machines. And the great thing is we're not logical, we're biological. That's an important difference there. So one thing is really to acknowledge and accept, Almost more important is the second element, the R respect, and that also goes for customers. Respect that there's differences. That's okay. We, all, we also say when we're when we're developing stuff, the more diverse of that, the more diversity in thinking you have, the better usually the outcomes. Because you look at one thing from different angles and you can go ahead with, with, with a better solution when you have an environment that allows you for discussion. And that's often the case that not many environments allow that discussion. There is one simple rule that uh, that I give when I work together with leaders, leaders speak last. This is how you can learn more from your team, engage your team. That's when you can learn from them. That's that's when you can also understand where they're coming from. They might have a complete different and strange view on things. Let them speak, you would get get to a better outcome. And the third element, the T in this art of collaboration is is really also tolerate differences. That is great, the more the merrier, I'm always trying to to say that's that's an English saying that makes really bringing more people together. So it's uh, the art of collaboration helps you really to work together also with people that you don't like, and too often we feel threatened by people we don't like. And if we're threatened, we're actually not open to think creatively, not open to come to, to a great conclusion, but we're we're put into the things that we always know. And this openness understanding helps us becoming safer and helps us also to, to, to find better solutions in there. If I
0: understand well and... Uh, <laughs> A, it's accept, R is respect, and T is tolerate. And perhaps now that you explain that, do you have some techni- techniques that you can or are willing to share uh, with, with us in order really to, to, resp- to um, work based on this rule? As you said, for example, uh, leader speak last. Do, do you have other techniques that, that we could leverage in, in meetings? Because at the end, we are
1: always in meetings we're we're are always in meetings and and one of uh, maybe one advice that i can give is always assume good intentions it's no not many people get up in the morning and say hey now i'm going to break that meeting or now, now i'm going to really do some stupid remarks we're all focused on finding a solution. we're all focused on getting ahead and that's i think that's a, that's a, that's a good point to start always assume with intentions when collaborating
0: and what's about motivation of people because i fully understand i fully agree and i fully respect what you are saying meaning that people are woke up in the morning and they are not saying i want to create issues or i want mm-hmm. to deliberately uh kill a project or something like that but you see often that people perhaps are not so motivated what's your view on that
1: yeah i think also there it's 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 good to take to often also separate meetings. I would separate operational meetings from meetings where you then also often discuss around, okay, where are you? we am not talking about tree-hugging here, by the way. These are these a are really important concept. Really, how do you feel? What is your intention? Where do you want to go? And particularly right now in, in, in this situation, we've been stuck at home for the last 12 months, and we discussed in our pre-session uh, we've we've been here in switzerland compared to other countries we've just been in paradise in that sense that we could walk around free but still professionally we've been stuck at home connecting and that's that's quite difficult and really to stay motivated but it takes some time and ideally one-on-ones with trusted people on that
0: i, I think what you, what you're saying is it's really key because at the end we are speaking with other people most of the time through a video camera and a microphone, and, and therefore it's 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 really important also to, to have a different relationship and separate um, different meetings. And perhaps based on the fact that you are mentioning or you mentioned we stuck to at home, but I see that you are extremely active in the market, writing articles, so you created a new company. I would like to, to understand a bit better, Bjorn, and what you are doing. Perhaps. Uh, how can you ensure to have a proper work-life balance or life-work
1: balance? Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very good question. And I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's very important what, what you're saying. And um, Two things. I, I think I, I love to bring people together. I think that, that's an amazing thing. And, and connecting people, that, that, that that's really a passion of mine and, and, and driving and creating new things and, and ensuring a proper work-life balance. And particularly now when you're at home, take breaks, get enough sleep and work consciously. So like work during your ideally your regular working hours. I'm, I'm somebody who thinks an eight to five job is great because we need time to regenerate i don't I, I know you you've been a goalkeeper when you when, you, when you're a sports person and, and and for sports it's very important you have a lot of pressure on you for a certain time but then it's important to let it go and relax for that time i think these breaks are important in between so don't work 12 14 hours and i think the age of of those people who came in and said, hey I got up at 4 a.m. this morning, wrote my first email at 4.30 and at 5. I wrote this presentation and this article. That might have been impressive in the 90s or during the first dot-com thing. But hey, guys, it's not about that anymore. It's really... The more time you get um, in between, it also allows you to better digest. So your ideas are getting better. I don't know how many great ideas you had at your desk. I don't have any at my desk. I got them while doing other things. And probably many people get their great ideas under the shower.
0: I, I, I fully agree. And uh, I am also getting the best ideas while I'm um, jogging outside. And then uh, it's time where I regenerate and I have time to think about it. Because at the end, you're sitting in front of your computer. You get uh, emails, phone calls, uh, meetings, and so on. And you don't have time to think uh, and to strategize and this is something that really need energy and therefore as you are saying you need also to re regenerate your energy in order to, to create something and as you're saying i think nowadays it's extremely important to focus and uh, you are not paid for the amount of hours that you are sitting in front of your laptop but you are paid for what you are creating and this is i think the, the mind shift that we are trying to to follow and I think the next generation
1: will will then really support yeah and and one thing that I, that I think is is, is is great also is like Google is, is what they call mindfulness but but really what what do you mean with that do one thing at a time be there in the moment don't think about the next meeting while you're sitting in this meeting don't think about oh oh I still have to do that stuff from the last meeting. Uh, A mistake that I see many people doing is that people plan back-to-back meetings. Schedule at least 15 minutes between meetings. You need to digest what happened and you need to be ready in, in the next meeting. And when we had to run from meeting room to meeting room, people were so clever to finish one meeting at four, then run down 10 flights of stairs and start the other meeting at four in the same room. Your brain couldn't digest anything. And that there's something, there's there's still a lot of work to be done here in, in, in how we put ourselves under pressure, but work-life balance, I think another important element, you said it, jogging, fresh air, running, take some time for yourself as well. And, and business, it's not the
0: 100-meter run, but it's a bit more marathon because business is here or was here before us, will be here after us, and, and therefore, it's extremely key. The, the last point I want to mention, and I know that's your interview, but it's something that I'm really working on now, and it's what you said, and it brought me directly to my head now. I want to say that it's uh, live in the moment. And now I decided it's really stupid because quite a lot of people are perhaps already doing that. But if I am with my son, I'm not checking my phone because the most important human being for me is here and there. And therefore, there is no distraction that it's really more important and more interesting than my son. I want to be 100% honest with you. It's extremely difficult because for me, it was normal. I would quickly check the emails or I check this, I check that or I, watched I write something to my friend. But I am losing time with him and it's the most important thing for me or the human most important human being for me because I want quickly to write to one colleague or check the email. It's not possible.
1: You, you, you can do another trick. Just recheck then the email that you sent. It's probably full of typos. And the thought line wasn't that good. Write email when you're writing email, be with your son when you when you're with your son. And I think it's it's like it's like also what, what we can come back to to when, when we look also at the empathy. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. Yes. Really understanding what it is there. So that's 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 the important point there. Also, as, as we're trying too often, we're managing on a on a quantitative basis. And what we also try to do with digital empathy is really bringing this qualitative element in to understand how how relationships work. There's not only numbers. It will express in numbers because that's the easiest language everybody understands. And that's, that's an important piece, to link it then to numbers. But actually, it's a qualitative behavior that we're looking at.
0: I fully agree, and I think let, let's go to the next question. Sure, and the next please. question is is uh, about: um, um, do you have a book that you read or you are reading now that you say this is something that
1: other people should read? Oh, there's there's many interesting. I, I love books. Although although I have to admit, unfortunately these days I'm more reading on Kindle because it's easier to, to to read in the dark with on a Kindle. Um, I, th- I think one thing I just recommend to a friend the other day is Phil Jackson's 11 rings. Uh, for for those who are not so in the sports area, Phil Jackson used to be, a, or he's still a coach of the Chicago uh, basketball team. Michael Jordan, he's, he's been successful with him. Uh, he's got a great team philosophy. Uh, why am I recommending that? Too often we think if, if, if you're a leader, you have to do things best. You have to be the best You have to be better than your team. It's not the case. Phil Jackson wasn't better than Michael Jordan. Phil Jackson needed to be able to motivate Michael Jordan to go there and to guide him where where it is. If you're in Switzerland here, Roger Federer has a coach himself for playing tennis. Who plays better? It's it's highly likely that Roger plays better than, than, than his coach. But at the end of the day, uh it's it's this guidance and interaction that that that's why i would also recommend phil jackson's 11 rings and
0: this is something that i think it's really important you are mentioning federer and i asked myself several times what tell he is a coach why does he need a coach because he's the best but this is exactly the same also in business also the best leaders in the market they have also coaches because they need to discuss, they need to get another view. And this is, this is, I think, extremely important. Björn, if somebody would like to contact you because of what we discussed, or they have additional questions also for uh, your leadership trainings, um, how is the best way to contact you? I
1: think the best way is through our website at anthrolytics.io. We are uh, always happy to hear from you and always happy to, to go into the discussion around that and uh, really get uh, get there going.
0: Thank you very much, Björn. And now we are coming to the very last question, and it's always the same. Um, do you have a golden nugget that you want to share with us? It's something that we discussed or something new to leave to the audience? Yeah, I
1: think it, you, you mentioned important thing, Gregorio, that was this human to human. I think, and uh, don't forget we are all humans. We all have feelings, we all have emotions, we all expect some. And the company or a business is just more humans together. But it's important that we understand that and they're aware of that. It's it's not rocket
0: science. Thank you very much Björn. As usual, I am not commenting your golden nugget because it's Björn's golden, golden nugget. I want only to say, Thank you very much, Bjorn. It was a great pleasure to have you for this smart
1: discussion. Gregorio, thank you very much. Always a pleasure.
0: Thank you very much also to the audience. It was really a pleasure. I enjoyed really very much this discussion. I hope that you enjoyed that. And um, please stay here for the next one. See you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Arrivederci. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, Please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human environment. Thank you.